0: what did you do this weekend? What did I do?
1: Hold on. I watched a lot of racing, Jason.
0: How, why couldn't you remember that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of something more clever.
0: Didn't you go to like some mountainous resort?
1: Oh yeah. I went to uh, Sedona. Sedona, Arizona. It was actually a disaster of a trip because you're supposed to go there when it's like beautiful weather, sunny, and we're driving up. And it's, we literally see like lightning striking in the distance, like forecast is like 50% rain. So we get there the most beautiful place supposed to be in Arizona is overcast and rainy. And uh, we literally went there, ate Chipotle, hung out on a rock for about a half hour and drove back. So it was kind of a disaster of a trip.
0: Do you not check the weather forecast before you no, take a trip somewhere? We,
1: we really did not plan that far These ahead. These idiot
0: sophomores <laughs> in college. Clearly, your Arizona State education is teaching you a lot of great things.
1: Yeah. Well, us journalists have to, uh, you know, adapt to the, the facts. situations.
0: Oh, okay. That's what the approach you're taking?
1: Yeah. Hey, Jason Schultz, what did you do this weekend?
0: Nothing as exciting or maybe stupid as taking a trip to somewhere beautiful in bad weather, but watch a lot of racing like you did as well. Do you ever accidentally start doing shots?
1: Um, no, but I saw you did.
0: Yeah, so my friend Tyler, who we're going to talk about in a second, and I were just hanging out watching the races on Saturday, and just all of a sudden decided it was time to do shots. You know know how that goes, right, Andrew?
1: No, no, but go on.
0: Luckily, there's no racing Saturday night, so I remember all the races from Saturday afternoon, but we did do enjoy some basketball and some alcohol on Saturday night. That was fun. Then watch a lot of racing on Sunday. But... Before we get started in talking about that racing that we watched all weekend, our, like we mentioned a few minutes ago, Tyler Anderson is our new producer. He's been doing it for a few weeks now. We've just kind of ignored him on the show, but if it sounds different, sounds better, a lot of good music choices. That's all, Tyler.
1: Thanks, Jason. Just want to say hi to everybody. Follow me on Twitter at TylerC.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did we say he could plug himself? <laughs> Hold on. All out. All out.
1: Majority That's vote. Tyler li- and I both vote that he can plug his... Twitter so I mean it's
0: it's three against two or what two, would, two if, against one <laughs> in the first if I when I became DBC door bumper Clears, producer and like when I was you know in 2018 if I just all of a sudden introduced myself hey it's Jason follow me on Twitter like they would have been like get him out of here
1: <laughs> well I don't speak on this thing a lot so you got to give me a chance
0: I would if you <laughs> asked us to share your Twitter handle I think we would do that and I've retweeted your tweets before so if you follow us, you might you might see his stuff. Tyler's
1: just trying to, like, get it all in before we kick him off the Zoom right now. <laughs>
0: say, though, Jason was really funny doing shots, though.
1: Do you guys That's remember how FaceTiming is. me? Yes. Oh, you do? Okay.
0: I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember doing it. Yeah. Was it a good conversation?
1: You know, um, I could definitely tell you guys were in a different state of mind, but... You know, it was—it wasn't the worst conversation I've had.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you answered because I just wanted to talk with someone, and then you were oh, yeah, the first Oh yeah, because there wasn't anyone
1: of. around you to talk to or anything like that.
0: We both talked to you. We wanted to talk to someone else. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you thought of yeah. me. Thank you. Thanks for answering. All right, we did shots because we want to forget the Saturday Dover race. Well, first of all, I want to say yeah, Dover right. was better than last year because last year with the stupid aero package that was the, the high downforce without race at all tracks ruined over couldn't pass it was terrible racing everyone's wide open i think this year they actually had to, you know low downforce package had to use the brake had to let off the gas couldn't make passes that was great but then there was no action in the race where what do you want me to say but the respond what are your thoughts on it
1: i mean yeah Dover wasn't, I don't know what it was. It, for some reason, I really did enjoy sitting down. I think it was the fact that I really haven't had the opportunity to fully sit down and watch a NASCAR race start to finish the longest time. Because I was moving in the week before, getting getting ready, doing birthday stuff the, the weekend before that. And, like, it was just, the whole summer kind of got super busy and took over. And it was actually really, really nice to sit down and watch the racing so i don't know if that inflated my thoughts of dover but i actually just enjoyed sitting down and watching i did think nbc did a good job while there wasn't that much action on the track keeping up with the storylines that are going to be very important this upcoming weekend and for the next 10 weeks
0: yes nbc does a good do a good job at making the races more interesting than they usually are fox i don't think does as good of a job but your answer about the racing at Dover was a very much an answer of someone who worked for NASCAR. Very good job. Um, but Justin Allgaier won the Xfinity race on Saturday. That was awesome. You know how long he, like he's had a terrible year and it's had a ton of bad luck, a ton of problems, but seeing him win again, that felt really good.
1: Yeah. Justin's a good, I'm, I, that's actually funny. You mentioned that, I guess by the time this comes out, I'll have talked to Justin Allgaier. Um, Cause I'm getting uh, getting everything ready for the playoffs, and it was it was good to see him finally get that victory because he had just such bad luck all season long, and you know probably should have won a couple of races, and I have a feeling like we're watching Cindric and Briscoe run away with it, and I feel like once Allgaier got that monkey off his back. He could be a true player in this Xfinity series. He always comes to life in the playoffs. I mean, the amount of times he's been in the championship four, I can't even count. But, man, and I know he's so hungry. Like, the last time I talked to him was the last normal race weekend uh, way back in March in Phoenix. And I literally asked him, like, man, I'm waiting on that championship. And he looked at me and just had so much fire and energy in his eyes and said, man, I'm waiting on it too. I know he's super hungry. And, man, I think he could come alive. these.
0: In and- His post-race interviews on Saturday, I think he mentioned that because of his bad luck and because of how bad he's been running, he's been contemplating whether he should keep racing. Like, is this it? Am I going to get better? Is it going to improve? Like, or is this the end of my, like, this is the end of the road. So hopefully this win propels him to future success and he finally got out of the rut and can finally get back to doing well. And um, I think, like, there's going to be a couple guys that are going to get up there with Cindric and Briscoe to contend. I think Noah Gregson has been consistently good this year and I think Justin could be that fourth guy and seeing JRM go take on those forwards, I'd be all about that.
1: I know you would. I know hundred percent you would. One thing I found interesting was he like credited all the hate on Twitter as like fueling his fire. I like just that was not what I thought he was going to say. Because you know, you ask most drivers and a lot of them say like they ignore social media, they, they just you know you shrug off the haters. But Justin Allgaier apparently looked at a lot of those messages, read them and, and used it as fuel. Now I know drivers use that as motivation, but for him to look into the hate messages as much as he did, I found was interesting. He said he couldn't turn it off. He kind of he couldn't not look at it.'s what he said.
0: I think drivers always look at their message like the responses they get. But then they'll say, I don't really look at the negative stuff, but they look at it all. Like like you're inherently going to look at any messages, like anything said about you. So I feel like most guys do that. But um, hey, if it took A.G. Allmdinger dumping Allgaier at the end of the Xun race at Daytona at the road course to motivate him to kind of have a comeback this season and catch on fire the next bunch of weeks, I'm all about that.
1: Yeah, no. You can see what happens when a fire is lit under Allgaier. And I think... I think every year he goes, makes it all the way to the championship race, and then just comes up short, I think fuels his fire for the next one. Now, I know, you know, he's kind of in the same boat as Elliot Sadler in the Xfinity Series, one of the guys who probably should have won a few Xfinity Series titles, but has come up short, and I think every year he goes without a trophy, it just lingers even more in his mind, and... I don't know if necessarily – I mean, he's had better seasons in the past up at this point. Every
0: season has been better than this.
1: I know. But, I mean, you look at Kyle Busch, and I, I'll mention that multiple times, is I counted him out last year on this podcast. I literally said, man, Kyle Busch is not not the stellar driver that he, he should be. He's not in championship winning form, and then there he goes and wins the championship. So I've learned the hard way not to count people out, and Allgaier is one of those guys I don't think you can ever count out
0: especially because the championship race is at Phoenix, and he is killer at Phoenix, so looking forward to that. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Sunday, very unique situation. We had the Xfinity Series race at 1, the Indy 500 at 230, and then the Cup race at 4. First of all, all those races overlapping, I thought it was cool, but really NBC probably should have spread them out so you could watch each throughout the day. Nonetheless, my focus was mainly on the Indy 500. I went there last year, we talked about this last week, I'm pretty sure. Went there last year, blown away by the experience, blown away by that event and how much it means. And it is the world's biggest race. I think that's hard to argue. Most attentions on it, most people at a race. It's crazy. The race is great. I love the lead up. Pre-race is good. It felt it looked so weird and felt so weird without fans there, but like they the, how NBC covered all the stories in the field, like that race changes drivers' lives. Everyone has a story about where they came from, how did they get to that moment, to that race, and what that day could mean to the rest of their lives and how accomplished it could make them. So NBC did a great job, I think, telling all those stories leading up to the race. And then the race itself was great. There was a lot of attrition. The first, I started watching F1 this year. The first F1 race I watched, beginning of the season, a ton of attrition. There was like Eight to ten guys, I think, were out of the race. I'm like, this is so cool. Like NASCAR, that's not a thing anymore. No one, there's no attrition in NASCAR. No parts break. No, there's very rarely failures, all that kind of stuff. But in this F1 race, there's a ton of that. I was like, thrill, like cool, to see that? Because I think NASCAR used to be like that. Parts used to fail in race cars. But now they're so good that they don't fail, and it makes the races less interesting. Indy car, a lot of wrecks, a lot of problems cars had. So throughout the race, there was a good amount of cautions, a lot happening, a lot of stories to keep up with, a lot of different strategy changes, and that was very exciting. Whole race is great. Did you before we get to finish? What did you think about the lead up to the end and then most of the race?
1: I did like the race. It was fun, and like you mentioned, NBC did a good job. Even even with no fans, you still got a special event atmosphere from pre-race, which is something that. I think they do a phenomenal job of. I will say, I I have liked other Indy 500 races in the past, but that didn't mean that this past one was a bad race. But I I did enjoy it, especially especially with the laps winding down. I know we're going to get to that in a second. But, man, to watch Sato and Dixon work through the lap traffic, you didn't know if he was going to be able to hold on, a potential blocking situation. It, that race always builds up at the end, and, and we got that exact thing on Sunday. Well,
0: we got that thing until, until until we didn't. When we were completely robbed of that same thing. But, yes, the seeing the guys do all the finish and then with the lap traffic and guys closing in, it was just so unpredictable. And I feel like a NASCAR race – it's not like that. Like, I don't feel that way watching a NASCAR race usually. So that was very exciting. Like, knowing that anything could happen at any moment and this could completely change. But in NASCAR, typically when Kevin Harvick has a one to two second lead, he's not, there's not going to be any letting up. Okay. Typically plays Play
1: devil's advocate. Indianapolis with Indy cars is a lot like a plate race in the Cup Series. And with winding laps down to go, you have no idea who's going to win. So I don't think that's a fair
0: comparison. But I think just in general, it's more like having an oval race where you're not pack racing, where it's more unpredictable. Like the pack racing is all about the draft. Like you're drafting with someone. That's how you get the lead. IndyCar, it's all about yourself. Like what you do, what moves you make to win the race. That's why I think it's different and more exciting. And I wish NASCAR, I felt the same way about NASCAR races usually. So that's happening. These guys are closing for the finish. And then there's a caution. And I was like, yes, we're going to get like a really late race shootout. With the three or four guys going at it, it's going to be so exciting. And then I'm like, all right, the wreck, and it was a really bad wreck. I'm so glad Spencer Pigot's okay. That looked freaking terrible. Like At first, it looked like he ran, ran straight into that pit wall that sticks out in between the middle of pit road and the racetrack. Luckily, that wasn't the case, but he still had a massive hit on there. So saw the caution, excited. I'm like, oh, they're going to throw the red flag because clearly the track looks blocked and they need to repair this. But they didn't. And I was refreshing Twitter. I'm like, they've got to be throwing it. they got to throw it. And then all of a sudden, they say Sato wins. I'm like, what the hell? Like, they're not, like, you had five laps left and you're not going to stop the race and have a late race restart, IndyCar, this is your biggest race of the year. It's the only one where more than a million people are watching. Like, you've got a captive audience that would be enthralled by an exciting close finish on a one-to-two-lap shootout, and they instead just ended the race right there. That was it. So anticlimactic, so disappointed. I know coming from NASCAR, the expectation is late race restarts if there's caution, but in IndyCar, they go the scheduled distance and don't go past that. I get that's their thing, but maybe NASCAR is a little more successful because they allow late race restarts. They have some more. They allow more excitement to be injected into the race versus ending a race like that. And I was thinking, like, if I was there watching that race, I would be pissed that that's how it ended. Like, I want to see the race end on under green when possible, and I think it was possible.
1: I was there in the ninety seventh running. I don't remember what year, but it was the 97th running when Tony Kanaan won, and it ended under caution. Last lap was under yellow. And it, I think that the caution came out with before they took the white. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm okay. You know, you take the white, caution comes out, what can you do? It was kind of a very similar situation. They could have restarted it under NASCAR rule. But I tweeted out, I, and maybe I shouldn't have called out IndyCar fans as hard as I did on Twitter, but, you know, I – I left the tweet up and I said, I don't understand why some fans are, like, life and death when it comes to scheduled distance. Like, okay, yeah, Indy 500, but wouldn't you want to see a better finish? Like, and people are so dead set on, oh, it has to be 500 miles exactly. We go 501. It's not the Indy 500 now. It's Indy 501. That can't be. I, I just don't understand that. You know, I feel like. Everyone's in the entertainment business. Why? Like there would be, if they if they did throw the red and they did restart that race, Jenna Fryer said that many, many, many purist fans would have been livid with that. And I
0: just, I don't understand that. When you're trying to grow your audience, and IndyCar has lacked an audience for a while. They've got a strong group of fans, but it's very small. It's, I think, the smallest form of motorsports of the major motorsports in the US. I think it's one of the smallest fan bases audiences at least watch t races on tv and i think having our final restart that's exciting like that of course it sounds like the pierce fans will be mad but i think the two other million people that are watching this race simply because it's the indy 500 are going to be get excited and be thrilled by that finish that's going to produce a really cool moment and then maybe they're more willing to watch more indy car race i like oh is it always like this like is it always this exciting like i would want to watch more but IndyCar did themselves no favors by ending the race like that. Like I was, again, the whole day thrilled by IndyCar. thought it was great. Loved it. And I think if I had a really exciting finish that like just energized me, I would be willing to watch next week's race on Gateway. But because of that, how that finished, like there's no room to grow there. I think that was just kind of lame and it's not going to be remembered. It's kind of going to be like just a boring finish to the race. Nothing exciting happened. So I just think they had a big opportunity and I'm not surprised that's IndyCar has a tough time growing their audience when they have rules like that in the end of the race.
1: I mean, just think about how many exciting finishes this year were credited to a late race caution that we would have been robbed of if we went the advertised distance. Chase Elliott losing out on the Coke 600. Big, big moment. Caution came out. He would have won that race. Uh, Cole Custer going four wide. He wouldn't be in the playoffs. A rookie would not have won this year. So I don't know. It would... Take IndyCar a lot, I think, because of the established fan base that you mentioned to change and go off that rule. But, listen, like, I'm a purist race fan. Right now, with this season in NASCAR, I'm perfectly okay with the Harvick and Hamlin show because it's the best that we're watching. You know, it's I want to see the best do well, and I want to see them what they can do every single week. And if it ends up being a two-man race to the finish— So be it. That's who the best teams are this year, but I'm not that purist where we have to go the advertised distance. I, I, I haven't never really understood that, and I don't know if it's because NASCAR has already spoiled us, and maybe the IndyCar fans—that's all they knew, all they know. But for all the NASCAR people on Twitter that I saw, they were very surprised and shocked the red flag at least wasn't thrown.
0: The piercing. You can say you're a Pierce fan, but most of the when you think of Pierce fans, it's the older fans that watch racing before the playoffs, before Green White Checkers, before Double File restarts, before all these what they call gimmick rules. But NASCAR's implemented over the years to make it a show, make it more exciting. Those fans are basing it off of the racing they kind of that racing that kind of grew in its like history, like this, not like through the '50s, '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s. That's the kind of racing they're basing it off of, and you started watching NASCAR in the era of the playoffs, in the era of double file restarts, in the era of all this extra stuff that NASCAR threw out the race to make it more exciting. But when you say you just like to see the best car win, yeah, that's kind of a purist thing. But I think, um, speaking from that standpoint, it's not you're not really a purist in that sense.
1: Okay. Well, my point was kind of made where I'm fine with Harvick and Hamlin kind of sweeping the show if they're the best two cars. But kind of going off that point, I I think what's hard for those fans to understand is that it's very rare for sports, I think motorsports especially, to stay the same, stay stagnant, whether that be new technology that comes into play, new safety enhancements, rules that make the game better. I mean... There has never been a sport in history that has stayed the same from exact start to exact finish. So I think change is super important. I, honestly, I think NASCAR, with a lot of these changes that they've made within the past five, six years, in the playoff era basically, have been great changes. Like, I couldn't imagine going back to restarting the points at the playoffs and, and just running 10 straight races. I love this elimination factor and going each round and I I could never go back from that. And I think, I hope IndyCar understands that maybe they need to change to further evolve the entertainment of the sport. And I think every sport has to understand that change needs to be made. It's just, how do you please everybody? And you can't,
0: that's the problem. The truth is with NASCAR, these changes they've made in the last 15 years, they haven't proven to grow the audience. So that's an interesting point where the NFL, for the most part, they make a few small tweaks to rules every few years or whatever. Their audience keeps growing. It's been consistent. But for NASCAR, they've changed a lot in the last 15 years, and it has not grown the fan base by significant numbers, maybe a little bit. But TV ratings are still lower than they've ever been. Attendance is still lower. So it's interesting. I don't think we can say NASCAR has – it benefited from all these rule changes in terms of audience growth, from excitement, from making the racing in our eyes better in terms of those rules, sure. But I think we, it's, we need another 15 years before we really say whether making all these changes is good for a sport or traditional sports that don't change, if they're able, if they and they maintain success, if whether that's the right move.
1: Well, that's exactly the point. I mean, you can't look. I mean, even though we've experienced it a fair amount, the the playoffs our playoff format right now is still very relatively new in order to gauge hasn't even been ten years that we've run this full so playoff spent, format. Yeah.
0: So you can't like it's yes, it's more exciting and I believe that and you believe that, but there's no proof that it's th- the I'm sport. saying
1: it was a, a good change that they needed to make. Yes. I mean you look but at the elimination that, you look at the elimination races from here on out. You have Daytona right now. We go to Bristol then the roval then martinsville like those are incredible schedule changes that would have just been races under this old playoff format
0: they would have been good races regardless though
1: but now they're even those are better the
0: best track those are the best tracks on the schedule so they would put on good racing no matter what the format is if they had a good package of course which they didn't have last year but they have this year but that's besides the point sorry indy i don't think i'm gonna be tuning in the rest of the year See you back in May for another Indy 500. I really want to go again next year. I I love that race. I can't the atmosphere of all. That's one thing I wish NASCAR would take from them though. How to put on an incredible event like Daytona 500 is cool, but I think the tradition of Indy. There's just so many more things they do, and there's so much more. Like the whole like just one factor is the whole town of Indy gets behind the race. Like it's a citywide celebration. Everyone is talking. Like it's the talk of the town. I feel like that's probably not the case, like all around Daytona. It's not like all the locals are in it. It's not a thing. So I, I would hope NASCAR would take some lessons from IndyCar in that sense. But moving on, let's talk about Daytona. Elimination race, regular season finale. Of course, the regular season championship has been already decided. Thanks, Kevin Harvick, for making that uninteresting by winning by a lot and having when was having it ever game?
1: though when was it ever i mean i don't I know, know but i don't when really care you, who well they the implemented the regular the season first 26 I races i don't care
0: so, so why, why do you even care that it wasn't exciting then why would nascar why nascar do it then what was the point then they wanted to make it some matter and so if it's not exciting why it should well mattered.
1: it matters with playoff points but i don't i don't know it's just a competition thing I don't think that's something that has to be ultra exciting. I mean, NASCAR's done so many different do things it? to try and make the they? sport more exciting. This is just a competition element to follow along
0: with. Then why would they do it? Why would they just do something to make a rule change just for the sake of making a rule change or adding something to the sake of that they wanted it to be a, more exciting? Mine's well, I think it's more.
1: the same. I think it's the same reason they added stage racing. They want, like, they want the drivers. You look at Daytona, I think I don't know how many people are locked in, but there's 11 people locked in. Points mean absolutely nothing. They're still going to be racing hard, and they're going to be going 100% for that extra one playoff point, extra second playoff point, the five playoff points for winning the race. They've added more incentive to not let off the gas. I mean, like what you saw in previous years before this, you would look at someone who wins the Daytona 500, they're locked in. They don't have to do anything. For the remainder of the 25 races, and they're in the playoffs, this, this gives incentive for everyone to be on full gas, full throttle, all the
0: way through. You would hope they would want to be on full throttle regardless of the situation, just naturally. Like, I want to be on throttle the whole season. You would think that would be the, you know the motivation. I think it adds a new strategy element. That's why, you know, when they were on full throttle the whole season, before the playoffs even existed, like, when every single race mattered for the championship, you could not let off. Do on. you
1: want to go back to that?
0: I'm saying it's the same situ- like it's the same thing you're talking about. They were full throttle, never, like, every single point, every single race mattered. And the same things happen now, but NASCAR had to throw the gimmicks in to make it. Like, why don't they think drivers care about, why don't you think drivers care about trying to get every point, do the best they can in every single race?
1: Well, I mean, Why do they have to be incentivized to do that? Even some teams in the past have admitted that once they get in, they're going to experiment with things. Some things could go wrong, and, and they could kind of disappear for a bit. This this makes everyone be on their A game. It's almost like you're promoting – I mean, what it is is you're promoting playoff ranking from Daytona 1 to the end. I know we, we're not a huge fan of how the playoff points are distributed, but it, it – Every single race, every single stage is pretty significant when it comes to re-ranking everyone at the beginning of the playoffs. I mean, you look at every time Kevin Harvick wins a stage this year, you look at that as a very significant storyline. Is man, he's just getting another playoff point, edging himself out even further from the field. It makes everyone, it, it makes every race that much more important. I think.
0: I think the races are important regardless. Wouldn't you want to do well in every race regardless? Why do you have to be incentivized to do well in the middle of a race? I'm Don't you saying. want to naturally just you know, do well and perform well and win? Like
1: It's another significant competition element to look at.
0: Unnecessary. After watching the Indy 500 without stages, seeing what a race without stages is like, I was like, oh, oh my God, I miss this. This is so great. So much strategy. I loved it. But that's not the point of what we're trying to talk about. If you want me to talk about something exciting, I will talk about how Daytona, for the first time ever, is a regular season finale, and that there are roughly, you know, we have William Byron, Jimmy Johnson, Matt DiBenedetto, all within striking distance of getting in the playoffs based on points. But the rest of the drivers in the top 30 that are outside the playoffs, no wins this year, they could steal a victory on Saturday night and make the playoffs. Like that is crazy that someone like as slow as probably Cor Joe is in the playoffs could make the pl- like could make it still because of this one race. Like seeing that storyline play out and you know how it's always unpredictable at Super SuperA races, that is something that I was always a fan of wanting this race as a regular season finale. I wish it was still on 4th of July. Maybe NASCAR can shorten the season to make that happen, but it's a really cool deal to see such a thrilling end to the regular season.
1: Oh yeah. No, it like you said, Jason, it is going to be a thrilling end to
0: the to the end of the regular well, season. Depends on um
1: No well, no, you said it. Right, you said well, let's get
0: in the strategy. It. Let's get the strategy of the race then. The strategy yeah, if you need to if you need to win the race to make the playoffs and that is your only hope. And you see and sorry, right, typically the last five years restricted play races, there's a lot of wrecks and they're happened throughout the race. And it's a game of survival. Who can survive to the end? There's usually 10, 12 cars maybe running at the finish. So it's who can get to the finish. So the guys that need to win and that's their only hope to win, you just the game is to survive. The game is to not wreck and be there for the last 10 to 15 laps. So their strategy is going to be to ride around until the end and be in position. Because they don't care about points. They care about winning. So to win, you just got to survive and be there at the end.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you look at all these successful plate racers, and I don't know, I feel like always the winning strategy is to be out front. That is what every driver, you ask most of the drivers, not a whole lot of them are going to be like, oh, we're going to ride around the back and just cruise, and then last 30 laps, man, we're turning it on. You ask most drivers in the field, where do you want to be most of this race? They're going to tell you, I want to be in position number one, number one leading that thing, they're still going to be racing. And I'll tell you right now, I can look, there are at least 18 drivers who have something to race for at the end of every stage. There are 13, okay, I thought it was 11. There are 13 drivers currently locked in on either wins and points who are going to be racing for playoff points, uh, especially if you're someone other than Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin trying to get that last bit of advantage over the rest of the field. So there's your why playoff points are important. And then you have Boyer, DeBenedetto, Byron, Johnson, Eric Jones, all within striking distance of making it in on points. They're going to be racing very hard to try and get that little bit of an edge to get an extra couple of stage points over the rest. I mean, we look at the strategy this weekend at Dover, even though it wasn't necessarily the best race. The strategy, watching those bubble guys run, staying out and getting stage points and and sacrificing themselves for the next run just to get an extra couple of points over their competitors, it's going to be extremely significant,
0: I feel. The um, key is of the race is that, yes, Matt DiBenedetto, William Byron, and Jimmy Johnson are going to be all about points. Those are the three drivers that care most about points because – if they survive to the end and are in position to still make the playoffs based on points, they want to have as many points as possible in the race. From door bumper clear today, Clint Boyerswi Brett Griffin said their strategy will be to ride in the back of the field for the first two stages and see what they need to do at the end. If they their competition could wreck out, their competition could not have gained enough points. They could if William, if they don't if um, Byron, who's closest to Boyer right now, finishes or De Benedetto who's closest to Boyer right now, finishes in a certain position, Boyer could get locked in after the first stage. So he has no incentive to go run up front and potentially wreck and screw himself if a driver happens to gain enough points to beat him. So his strategy is just to be, let's see what happens. So I would say yes to Bendetto, Byron Johnson, they'll be up front. However, every other driver that has it needs to win that race there's no reason to be up front until the last 30 laps. You said the last three laps. No, you cannot run up to the front three laps. That's no, impossible. I said
1: 30. I did say 30. Okay.
0: But everyone else but will be riding nice try their time until that. the end of the race. Well, I thought you said three. Well, it's my fault for you not understanding your Zoom audio. Let me give you an example. If you're um, John Hunter Nemechek, how do you get in the playoffs on Saturday night?
1: I mean, yeah, you got to win.
0: So the strategy to win is to survive. And you have seen that in every play, play, I'm sorry, super speedway race for the last five years. It's survival. Rarely is there a race where it's just straight pack racing and no one wrecks and everything. It's the best way to survive is to be in the back, out of trouble, let other guys wreck, let the race play out, and then try to position yourself for the end. I'm not saying it's always successful. Rarely does it seem that a driver can drive up from the back of the race within the last... 10 or 15 laps. You've got to just be, bide your time. By the time the last 30 laps roll around, start trying to make a move. Whether that moves on pit road, maybe to gain some positions and and make a two-tire stop or something to get some time, gain some time on the other cars or just to be able to start drafting your way up, try to make moves, try to start the outside line, something like that to get to the front.
1: Yeah, I think with all these races and obviously not every single lap is going to be setting the world on fire with the Daytona 500 several past couple of years stage three it seems like as soon as that starts the, the uh,
0: light switch is flipped I thought they all should be caring about all the stage points they could be getting in stage one and two I'm
1: not saying that I mean you look at the end of a bunch of these stages they're still very exciting and a lot of the times, the end of a stage breaks up single-file racing. I, I can't remember the last time a stage finished a stage finished under single-file. Can you? I cannot.
0: No. Okay, that's what you're saying. Yeah, usually, the stage finishes are wide because it's your last second to make a move before the stage ends to try to get one extra point.
1: Are you like, why? why don't you want this to work? Like... That's what I'm saying
0: get. not everyone's going to be going for it. Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, Matt. Devin I think I also
1: LK. think all these plans. I mean, you can make a plan, but you know how many times someone goes into Daytona, Talladega with a plan and it doesn't work. So, I'm saying
0: don't run up front and f yourself by wrecking I, you know, on lap thirty and then not be able to have any shot at the win when you could ride around, wait till the end, go up and then try to get up in front and win.
1: I don't know. Most of the times when I remember seeing wrecks, guys about top five are good. And obviously there are rare situations where the leader gets wrecked or someone up front does, but I feel like the safest place to run is up front and people are going to be vying for that and they always have, always will at these plates, at these plate racks. plate
0: the tracks wrecks in the last five years, they're not plate tracks. So they don't run a restricted plate anymore. It's super speedway racing. Now the last five years, most of the wrecks begin from the field. It's guys blocking. It's William Byron trying to block Kyle Busch. I think I was 2018 at Daytona. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. trying to block everybody at once, wrecking the whole field. That has become more of a com- commonality, if that's a word, in the last bunch of years, where the wrecks do start up front. It's not; they do happen throughout the field. However, it's you're not safe. You're not. You're safer riding back than you are. I would say within the top 15, 20 positions, it's dangerous. Stay out of the danger. We'll see. I guess we'll see. I have. It. If you're I, right,
1: congratulations. You won the argument. But I, I hope we both agree that you're wrong, right? Can we at least agree on that?
0: You're saying I'm already wrong? The race does not even no, happen. No, you're yet? hoping
1: that you're wrong. Aren't you hoping that you're wrong?
0: I'm hoping that someone surprising wins the race because that'll be a great storyline for the playoffs.
1: Okay. Well,
0: and I'm... I think they will accomplish that by riding the back until the end of the race. My hope is, and I've had a thought, that Bubba Wallace is going to win this race. And I think, and he said his strategy will be to ride in the back until the okay. end of the race, All and right. then get up front in the last thirty or forty laps.
1: So, I want your promise right now. You're hoping for someone exciting to win this race. I'm hoping I for wanna to hear, someone I don't want to hear the about. Playoffs. I don't want to hear about single file racing and being upset about that. If this is if this is what you're satisfied no. with, is is a good good winner and a good finish because you can't have both.
0: I'm not saying I want single-file racing. I'm saying that's how it's going to play out because of what I've seen in previous plate races. I want four-wide on every single lap. However, being an educator race fan, I'm saying, or a race, I guess I can call myself an industry member, I want the race to play out and be exciting, but I'm betting it's not going to be, I think it's going to be guys trying to be conservative until the end because that's all that matters.
1: No better way to hype it up. Coke Zero Sugar 400 this weekend. I can't wait. I'm excited for it. And uh, it's weird. It's weird with these night races. Like, I don't know what time it is Eastern, but, like, it starts so early here in Arizona. Like, I woke up. The Xfinity race was already rolling. The Indy 500 started at noon, and my day of racing was done at, like, 5. It was awesome. I loved it
0: congratulations
1: yep you should all come to the to the west coast it's the best Gross. best coast west coast best coast right that's not true yeah that's i saw true. tyler yeah he's not in his head
0: no one thinks <laughs> that. all right so tell me who's gonna win on saturday night
1: i don't know i don't think you know i don't think anyone knows
0: i'll make a prediction we're not allowed to make predictions anymore because we don't know what's gonna happen
1: all right Ah. Uh-huh. I think, I don't know. I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to say it's going to be one of the 16 guys inside the playoffs. Because Pick one. All right, I'll go with, I think, honestly, Hamlin could go and light up the world again, like he's always done at Daytona. But to make it interesting, I'll go Joey Logano. But if Denny Hamlin wins, I'll also say I'm right.
0: I'm going to go with the best plate racer, I believe. I guess Denny is probably the best. Maybe this guy is giving him a run for his money, and he almost won the Daytona 500. Ryan Blaney is going yeah. to be a great plate racer to win. However, I want, I think the coolest story would be Bubba Wallace winning this race and getting in the playoffs. He's been so good this year. Freddie Crafts on DBC. He's one of my favorite people. Like, That would be an epic story and really good for that team and just really cool story for NASCAR. So that's what I want. And I'm sorry, Andrew, for wanting a good story for NASCAR. I hope that doesn't offend you too much, but uh, I want something like that to happen.
1: Do we both think that we hate NASCAR like the other person does? I'm, why, would I, why would I not be excited if Ryan Blaney won, if Bubba won?
0: Well, you don't think I want good things to happen, so I'm apologizing for wanting something good to happen.
1: Oh, got it. Okay, I did not understand.
0: I'm sorry my UNC Charlotte intellect is above your Arizona State intellect.
1: Okay, I took a bio class today. Sucked. I learned apparently, Wait, you, you went
0: you Went to class today?
1: No, it was online. It's I'm learning all the differences between feet and inches and yards. Yeah, we're going back to third grade with this class.
0: Smart college students or smart college people like Jason took all those classes in high school and got college credit for them, so I didn't have to deal with that those kind of coursework in college. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I emailed my counselor and he hasn't gotten back to me,
0: so. All right. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at HeyJasonSchultz. I recently retweeted a funny Bubba Wallace tweet calling out TJ Majors, so that made my day. Um, check me out there. You can follow Andrew at... Yeah, you
1: can follow me at Andrew TV. It's going to be busy. I've been kind of quiet on Twitter the last couple of months. You know, it's it's always been hard to to get content out when you can't be at the racetrack, but getting geared up for the playoffs and uh, a lot of exciting stuff should be coming my way and uh, you can go see if you haven't already a Dale Jr. tweet where he kind of uh, shares a story about yelling at Clint Boyer all there for about 10 minutes from a red flag at Martinsville Um, so expect a lot of exciting stuff from me on my Twitter page and of course you can follow Tyler at Tyler C. Anderson on Twitter giving me that shout out I didn't
0: agree to two shout outs Well, I'm
1: sorry, but he edits the podcast, so he's clearly not going to take that one out.
0: Because Andrew (laughs) took three years to edit every show, so I'm like, we need to hire someone. That's right. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with Steve anymore.
1: Yep. All right, y'all. I can't wait for this Daytona race. It only gets better and better and better from here. The NASCAR Cup Series and every single series that you like to watch along the NASCAR circuit. Thanks for listening to Redhead Racing Radio. We'll see you later.
0: And that was a paid advertisement line from NASCAR. See ya.